0: Welcome to the Idea Climbing Podcast. I'd like to introduce you to Scott Rosenzweig, the president of Sales Growth Advisors. Scott is a world-class C-suite sales and marketing executive dedicated to assisting businesses to scale. He provides breakthrough methodology tailored to each of his clients' businesses to drive exponential sales growth, increase profitability, and implement a winning culture in their business. In this episode, we discuss the importance of having a sales and marketing playbook and how to create yours, how the sales and marketing functions of your business can play well together, how to conduct an annual assessment of your sales and marketing efforts, and more golden nuggets of advice. I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, Scott. Thank you for taking the time to be here.
1: Well, Mark. How are you this morning? So far, so good. How about yourself? How are you I'm feeling? Doing, I'm doing great. Feeling great. Thanks for uh, having me on the show this morning. Appreciate it very much and looking forward to catching up with you and, and your listeners.
0: Absolutely. And I'd love to just jump right in. You, you brought up something called the sales playbook in our previous conversation. Yeah. What's the story there? How did you discover this? Was it just something you've always done? You, Mid career, what is this, what's the story with the sales? Yeah, so here?
1: so first and foremost, you know, I uh, I I own and run a company called Sales Growth Advisors, and what we do is we work with companies that are either uh, performing but not to their potential, or not performing uh, uh, at, at all, and they, they need help. And and very often, what I have found is I'm working with clients. And i've been very fortunate mark to have worked with clients all over the world is that very often they i've discovered they don't they don't have a playbook they don't have a plan they don't have uh how how to make it happen and this is this occurred you know i first discovered this geez probably 20 years ago in my career when i was in an account in in a client and uh actually it was uh, it was a customer in those days today i call them clients because i'm in the consulting business today but years ago when i was in sales and I realized that that the lack of performance of a customer or client or a business is often related to the fact that they don't have a plan and uh, and they don't have a playbook. And what a playbook basically is, is a companion to the sales plan. So the sales plan is going to carry the numbers. The sales playbook is a is an actionable tool of all of the best practices that a company either is already doing, or best practices that their competitors are doing that they want to bring in-house into their organization, or and or are best practices that are even found in other industries that very often a CEO will be in another industry and saying, well, geez, why can't we do that? Why can't we bring that into our company? So back to your question, I've, I've been very passionate about the sales playbook, which again is an actionable tool of a series of different elements That are all best practices that's a that's a documented process because so few companies are using a playbook and my estimation and it's simply my estimation is that about 40 percent of companies are using a playbook and it's probably less than that i'm just you know i'm probably rounding it up and it is so critical and and here's here's a couple of examples that i used you know what we're all most all of us are football fans right so mark i'm assuming you're a football fan you could say that (laughs) <laughs> okay, get that, right. So so when you watch a game on, you know, Monday night or Sunday or whenever you're watching a football game, you uh, very often, um, the, the coach of, the, of both football teams is the camera zeroing in on that coach. And what do you see in front of the holding of being held by the coach? You see a laminated document. Well, that's the playbook. And that's the playbook of, of a football team to be able to run plays, And in this case the playbook for a business is a series of best practices and i can get into a couple of examples here in a little bit if you'd like um and 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 that coach and the coaches on that team are using the playbook every day and the point is they have a they have a process they have a playbook that they're following they're not just willy-nilly going at it and as a result of that they're successful and and they're going to be able to run the plays very successfully i got one other example. Um, is, is an airplane. Uh, you know, when you get on an airplane, I know, you know, I fly a lot. So I know that uh, that, that pilot, he or she has a, has, has a playbook. And the playbook in the flying world is called a vector. And what a vector is, is how are they gonna get there? And that's really what a, uh, what a, what a playbook is all about, is how is a company going to advance down the business field, if you will, and how are they going to be successful on the the business grid or, or iron, if you will, or how are they going to be successful in their business overall?
0: Well, according to what you just said, if only forty percent, maybe even less, have a playbook, why do you think that is?
1: It's a great question. Uh, my estimation is because they don't know how to do it. They don't know. They don't know what a playbook is. And uh, I've I've become very passionate about helping. Uh, my clients and, and and i speak about this all the time so i'm i'm uh, letting everybody know about playbooks not just my own clients but it really stems around the fact that either they don't want to take the time in the company to put it together because it does take time i mean you have to map out all of your best practices you have to lay them out you have to you know put them you know the old days it was physically in a binder and today it's electronic on an ipad or in the cloud or whatever the case may be but Specific to your question, a lot of a lot of businesses don't know how to do it. They just don't know how to pull it all together, and/or they may maybe they don't know the importance of having a playbook. But think about this: you've got a team of salespeople. Let's say there's outside people. Let's say there's also inside salespeople. I know that when I come into clients, uh, very often every salesperson is doing something different, and that's not good. That's not good because you have some that are i'm sure performing you have some that are not performing and you have some that are sort of just mediocre and i have met sales leaders that i've worked with that have said ah that's great everybody does their own thing well no that's not great everybody doing their own thing is not great because everybody should be performing at the optimal level and if you have a common set of plays that go back into your business playbook you are going to succeed and you are going to be really successful because everybody is doing something, uh, the same way. And I'm even talking about the same titles. I'm working with a client right now that, uh, even everybody on the sales team has a different title. Um, Mm -hmm. so as basic as that. And, and so I'm all about uniformity. I'm all about running the same plays and come back to my, my football example. If every player on the football field, was doing something different. <laughs> would that would think about that for a minute? would, would that would that football team succeed? And the answer is no, no. <laughs> right, no, right. Well, so many businesses operate that way. They let their insider outside salespeople sort of do their own thing. And I don't, I don't really believe in that. I think you need a, a unified approach to your best practices.
0: And within the playbook, you mentioned best practices, let's say for entrepreneurs, what are some best practices that should be in a playbook?
1: Yeah. So, so, yeah, I've got a long list and I'm not going to go through them all. <laughs> I, I don't want to bore the, the readers uh, or the listeners, rather. But, um, uh, but you know, it, it, one of the first elements that has to be in a uh, playbook is what's called a business model canvas. And oh, yeah. some, you know, you know about that, some don't. What, what a business model canvas is, is in one page, it outlines everything about the business that you need to know who their customers are, their target audience, their what their supplier base looks like, what their value proposition is, how they're viewed in the marketplace in a one page document that usually opens up the, uh, the sales playbook. And then of course, from there, you get into KPIs, right? What are the sales key performance indicators? Very, very critical, hyper critical because everybody has to adhere to those. And I work with a lot of clients on KPIs, typically company KPIs, that the senior leadership team is, is is responsible for, and then departmental KPIs, which in this case would be the sales team. Um, then there's uh, you know other elements include the customer analysis, lead gen or lead generation principles. Um, what's the what's the and then we get into the what's the defined sales process. You know everybody hears about a sales funnel, right? So if you think about a kitchen funnel or a funnel that you're using to put oil in your car. A funnel has a, you know, very top, the top of it's very wide open and then very narrow at the bottom. So what's the process to get leads in? Leads are typically at the the widest mouth of the funnel. So how do you get leads into the organization? And then how do you bring them to the middle of the funnel, which is your prospecting phase? You know, leads are defined as people that you want to begin to talk to and establish a relationship with. Um, uh, Prospects are in the middle of the funnel, and those are people that you are in dialogue with. Clients or customers that you're in dialogue with, but you haven't yet landed. You're working to land them, and then the bottom of the funnel is is uh, is is the client or the customer that becomes one. So that's very important. What's the defined sales process? Then customer presentations, and then sales probability guidelines, and then what about your competitors? You know, in the sales playbook is a competitive analysis. Your top three, maybe four or five competitors. What are they doing? Who are they? Um, And then, you know, what's your follow up process with your with your uh, with your customers and then email drip campaigns, because, you know, Mark, one of the things is that very often there's marketing elements that are in the sales playbook. Sometimes it's called a sales playbook. Sometimes Mm -hmm. for companies, they call it a sales and marketing playbook. And that's just fine because sales and marketing are two sides of the same coin. You can't have one without the other. And I've always liked to say that marketing is sort of the air campaign. You know, that's sort of the the air force, if you will, the air campaign that's uh, that's helping to spread a a large message to the customer base. And then the sales team, whether it's inside or out, are the boots on the ground. You know, they're the ones that are actually in in, in combat uh, trying to bring clients or customers into the organization.
0: So when a company gets the sales playbook, they start to get best practices. You also mentioned something that I think would be complementary, the sales assessment. Could you speak to that? I mean, what is it? How does it interact with the sales playbook?
1: Yeah, great question. Thanks for bringing that up. So, I am really passionate. If 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 I'm passionate about the sales playbook, and clearly I am, I, <laughs> I'm equally as as uh, as focused and passionate about the the assessment. And and here's what's important. I, I referenced that about my estimation about forty percent of companies or less have a sales playbook. I would use the same statistic even uh, even uh, reducing that, probably twenty five to thirty percent of companies perform a a assessment of their sales function every year. The best companies, mark, um, assess their sales teams every year. and I mean the people in them, the process, how they're going to market, everything about it. Why is that important? why i'm mean, I'm always asked, Scott, you know what why why is the sales assessment so important. Well, because business is changing so rapidly, right? Um, markets are changing. Um, you know what's you know look at what's going on right now post pandemic or coming out of the pandemic, however, we want to say that, our supply chains are, are a mess right now, right? Well, mm-hmm. if you're not changing, you know, if you don't have a playbook as we just talked about, and then you're not assessing your sales team to make sure that your sales team or sales function as a whole, is meeting the needs of your customers or clients, you're going to miss the boat. So, what a what a what a sales assessment is uh, can be as simple as a company doing it themselves or bringing in somebody professionally like me, where I conduct a, a 400 question uh, uh, sales assessment that is conducted by the senior leaders of any given business, and what that does is it uh, the, the result of that is combination of my experience uh, of all the years I've been in in, in business and in sales, commercial executive leadership, to be able to uh, write a report that shows the organization through the the eyes of the people that are taking this assessment, which again, typically, it's three to five people in an organization that are taking this this, uh, assessment. And then I pull it together with my experience, and we determine where is the function, what is working well, and what do we wanna keep doing? And then equally, if not more important, where is the sales dysfunction? What is not happening in the organization and how do we fix it? And so often I I work with clients or I'm introduced to clients that have never ever uh, conducted a sales assessment and they've got people in their sales team that maybe shouldn't be in their sales team. And I'm not advocating letting people go, I'm advocating if somebody isn't right for the sales organization anymore, maybe they were a couple of years ago and they're stagnant today, why don't we find them a new place in the business to be successful? Why don't we move them from sales to customer service or or something to that effect? So I'm really passionate about uh, working with CEOs that want to make a difference in their business by having a playbook, as we've talked about, and then having a, a formal assessment of their sales team, the sales process, and the overall sales function, at least on an annual basis. And if you do it more often, that's just great, too.
0: What are important things for, let's say, an entrepreneur, not a sales team, but an entrepreneur who wants to implement what you're talking about? What does a starting point look like?
1: Well, there's a couple of ways you can go, right? You can contact somebody like me who's a professional uh, through my organization, Sales Growth Advisors, and we do this. So one of the things we do is we conduct a, a professional sales analysis of, of your team through that 400 questionnaire, and it will really surprise the CEO and the senior leadership team. Uh, the company they think they know is, is not necessarily <laughs> the, the company they think they know and the, and the, and the salespeople and the sales function may not be um and one of the things that that always is is interesting is you know very often you find a sales leader in a in an organization that used to be the best salesperson in the organization and they moved into they moved that person into sales leadership which isn't a good idea by the way you always want to keep your your highest performers performing you don't necessarily want to want to move them in
0: that's i remember that from college oh we it's the top performing salesperson by the way, it's called unconscious competence. He doesn't right. know what he's doing. That's she right. He doesn't know how she's hitting the numbers, but no, do not make that person a manager.
1: Right. And sometimes it's a Peter principle, right? Uh, where, you know, some people rise to a level in the organization that they're really not capable or really want to be in. So anyway, back to your question, there's a couple of different ways you can engage somebody professionally like, like myself, or you can uh, perform your own assessment. And what that is is really honestly looking at each of your salespeople and looking honestly at their numbers and how are they performing and how are they not performing and what's their track record and have they, you know, have they stalled? And then you look at the overall sales function. Are you adding value to your to your customers or your clients? Um, you know, CEOs are very passionate about their businesses and they should be very passionate about their businesses. But one of the things you always have to do is look in the proverbial mirror. As we look in the mirror every morning, when we get up you know, as individuals, you have to put that sales team in the mirror and the mirror is in the eyes of your customer. And I've always believed, Mark, that if you start with your customer, I call it customer back. You start with your customer and what the customer needs and the customer experience. And then when you work your way back, how are your salespeople communicating with your customers or your clients? How, how, um, you know, what, what kind of requests are coming from your customer base? And are you meeting the needs of, of the customers? And it's easy. It's very, it's, it's easy and very often for, for CEOs or, or VPs of sales or others to say, yeah, yeah, we're doing great. You know, sales are up, you know, we're up a couple of percent or whatever the case may be. Well geez, if you're up two, three, four, a couple of percent, you could be up 10, 15%, right? You could be up so much more if you're looking at your sales function, the overall sales function, which includes the people and the process. If you're looking in that proverbial mirror and saying, how can we get better? What are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? And how can we get better?
0: Well, with the sales playbook sales assessment, and you just touched on it the interactions with the customers, potential customers, the sales funnel. Can you speak a little bit about it? It sounds like this shifts into CRM. And I, some people just don't have one. Some people have it, but they don't use it because they don't want to populate it.
1: Yeah, you're 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 absolutely right. So again, we talked about the funnel, and that's you know, we'll it will we'll ease into the CRM talking about the funnel. You know, the funnel, as I mentioned, you've got, you know, leads at the top of the funnel, you've got prospects in the middle that you're, you're warm, you're talking to them, then you ultimately get to, to clients, you land them, you, you close them and all of that good stuff. Uh, I am a huge, huge proponent of CRM, customer relationship management tools. There are many of them out there today, you know, in the early days there were only a few. There are many great CRM tools today and the best companies and the best salespeople use them, love them, and are very interactive with them. What I find though, Mark, is that there's a push pull between leadership of the organization that wants CRM and the salespeople, many of them, by the way, the best ones love CRM, hint, hint, right? (laughs) Uh, But a lot of salespeople don't like CRM because I'm busy, it's a lot of work to put my, you know, all of my activities in CRM. And really, what they're saying is they don't want to be accountable. Well, in today's world, you have to be accountable. And any company that allows their salespeople not to be accountable isn't wise. And I would really recommend that if a company can rally around a CRM, whatever whatever brand you choose, you know, I I work with a number of them. There's a lot of great solutions out there where sales people have to have to have to enter updated information about the client calls they're making and the interaction they're having with their client on a daily basis whether they do it whether they do it after the the call they made on the client whether it's a phone call or a zoom call in today's world or we're getting back to face to face or if they're uh whatever it is but the point is that they have to enter it every day, ideally after right after the sales call. You can even do it on your phone. Most most CRMs today have an app where you can just mm-hmm. enter in the information. And what, what a salesperson also has to remember is that it's not just about them, that their information that they're putting into the CRM is, is read by customer service. It's read by operations. That information that, that they're on the front line with the customer, Uh, is being utilized by other people in the organization. So for for the million reasons why salespeople say they're too busy or they can't, or they don't have time, I have a million and probably more than a million reasons as to why you wanna do it. Because it makes you better as the individual, it makes you better as a company, the company better overall. And at the end of the day, your your customers are gonna be more greatly satisfied why because you're not missing things you're capturing you know you come right out of a of a call with a customer uh it's fresh it's new it's right in your mind go ahead and document it and then those things of uh, those elements of follow-up or uh hints that maybe they're interested in a different product down the road All of that is really fresh because when you go to the next sales call you're going to forget at least half of what you you uh, uh gleaned from that prior call when you get into the next customer conversation.
0: Well, we've covered a lot of ground in a short time. If someone's listening, you know, the sales assessment, sales funnel, CRM, they say, look at it like a lot of people will say, I'm busy, but I want to do something. I'm going to do one thing. What would you tell them to do? If you're going to do nothing else to get started, do this, whether it's something that you want to reiterate or something we haven't covered, I'm going to do one thing to start. What would that be
1: yeah that's a tough question mark because i'm a triad guy in the sense that i believe in you know the combination of playbook as we talked about uh the assessment we talked about in crm so they're all very very important if uh if i was to uh and i will i'll answer your question specifically i I would suggest starting with crm And, and the reason i would start with crm is because that's the greatest benefit to the most people in the organization it's going to benefit the salesperson. It's going to benefit customer service. It's going to benefit operations, and ultimately, it's going to benefit the customers. So, I would say, if you don't have a CRM, get a CRM. There's a lot of you know very inexpensive, very practical solutions today. You know, the early CRMs that came out, you needed a you know you needed nine degrees in order to uh, to operate those CRMs. They're very easy and very intuitive today. But close by, I would make sure that you develop a sales playbook. And right after that, you get into the assessment on an annual basis, because those three, what I call the sales triad, the sales success triad, is really those three all combined.
0: Thank you very much for your time. And if people are listening, they want to reach you, where's the best place to find you online? So
1: a number of different ways. So uh, again, my name is Scott Rosenzweig as you outlined. The name of my company is Sales Growth Advisors, and my website is salesgrowthadvisors.com. And there's a couple of different ways to spell advisors. I spell it A-D-V-I-S-O-R-S, salesgrowthadvisors.com is one great way. I can be reached on email, which is Scott at salesgrowthadvisors, spelled the same way, A-D-V-I-S-O-R-S. And then uh, uh, my cell phone, which is 303-225-9303. And I reside in the state of Colorado. And uh, I'm from Chicago originally, I get back to Chicago one week a month, uh, for a variety of of reasons, uh, clients, family and friends. And I can be reached in any of those, uh, uh, any of those ways via my website, via my email address, or my, uh, my cell phone. Thank
0: you very much. Appreciate the time, Scott.
1: Mark, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Have a great day. And thanks for, uh, for the great questioning and the great interview today. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Take care.
0: Thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I also hope that you'll subscribe to the Idea Climbing podcast and rate us on iTunes. Visit ideaclimbing.com to learn more about idea climbing and hear more episodes about mentoring, marketing, and big ideas.